as a headline rate when you stand up and make the announcement mm. is, it sounds like you're getting free money by taxing businesses. So there was a easy, a lazy way out for governments of doing that. Whereas once you've got tax competition, if you do that too far, you start losing investment and losing businesses to uh, countries with more dynamic, with better designed tax systems. And so the tax competition really pushes governments to think about what they're doing a bit more and to design design better tax systems, not necessarily collect less tax, but actually to do it in a more sensible way. The OECD's Global Women in Tax is meant to prevent tax avoidance and ensure multinationals pay their fair share. Yet criticism is mounted over the infringement on national sovereignty, the potential harm to some smaller economies, as well as the richness and complexities that come out of the OECD's one-size-fits-all approach to corporate tax design. But this proposal also sparks some broader questions about tax competition and tax havens. Is it right for countries to be using their tax systems to attract business and foreign investment? Welcome back to the IA podcast. My name is Matthew Lesh, I'm the IA's Director of Public Policy and Communications. Each week this podcast asks a tantalising policy question. Today's question, what are the benefits of tax competition? To discuss, I'm very excited to be joined by Richard Tepper. He's a leading British tax academic and consultant. Uh, he's had many years, decades of experiences uh, being a tax law academic, as well as being a consultant um, and accountant, um, including advising governments across Eastern Europe, Jersey and the Cayman Islands uh, and beyond. He's also the author of the IEA book, The Benefits of Tax Competition, and he's a member of the IEA's Academic Advisory Council. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. Thank you, Matthew. Let's start with this question about the OECD's um, proposals. What are they trying to do with their minimum global tax? Yeah. What they're trying to do is what they've been trying to do for 20-odd years, (laughs) which is to stop the use and operation of tax havens, as they call them. So trying to reduce company's ability to take advantage of 0% and lower tax rates. And it's an attempt to underpin the high tax regimes in a lot of European, particularly countries, who are feeling that they were their ability to raise taxes was being constrained by the fact that companies could move elsewhere. It's What we're seeing as a result of that is... We're starting after decades of corporate tax rates being generally reduced and corporate tax systems being improved. So it wasn't, we weren't seeing everybody going down to 0% or super low tax rates. But what we were seeing over the 90s and early 2000s particularly was that corporate, corporate tax systems were being made better. They were being made more sensible. You were, instead of having very varied tax systems where some things were tax favoured and others were being hit badly. We were seeing a more broad, more general system where you broaden the rate, you tax everything, but at a lower, more sensible rate that companies could deal with. We're starting to see that being reversed now and we start after decades of um, you know, relatively sensible corporate tax policies, we're starting to see those rates being pushed up and we're starting to see a return to the old systems where some things get tax favoured and some things are not. So kind of taxes more industrial policy or taxes 
uh, central economic planning to some extent. Yes, a lot of that, trying to use the tax system to back winners, which you know, really, who, who do you trust more to make decisions about where business should be investing? Is it people actually operating in business or is it civil servants and politicians? And uh, you know, it's, we've had a few decades where we've by and large left businesses to make business decisions mm. and the government's taken a percentage off the top, which has worked relatively well. We're starting to go back to the 1970s idea of governments trying to say what businesses should be investing in and using the tax system to try to prompt that. So I'm interested in unpacking that a bit more, but before we get to it, I, w- I want to um, focus in on that point you made about this has been kind of an ongoing campaign by the likes of the OECD for over 20 years. Now, it seems the immediate impetus for a lot of these policies was um, uh, particularly big tech companies um, putting themselves in relatively low-tax jurisdictions, often the case of Ireland being the the classic example here, but also, I suppose, other places as well. But but I suppose your point there is this is actually a much longer-running campaign that that has less to do with the tech companies, as as it was first made out to be. It's the tech companies have been the main ones that are talked about because it's easier for them to relocate. It's more difficult to relocate heavy manufacturing Mm. businesses, you know, you, uh, although there was a certain amount of that in Ireland in particular, uh, where they introduced um, low tax free zones in the 90s, which was quite successful. But you know, you're not going to move a car manufacturing plant out to the Cayman Islands because the practicalities of getting the raw materials and the finished goods yeah. out there and, and you, you, you do see financial services moved out there for the fact that it's a relatively low capital yes, cost. Yeah, yeah. Easy, easier to do that and um, you've got a high level of income per employee so it's a lot easier to shift them. So you've generally been kind of a, a critic of these policies. I think the advocates would say to you, well, what's wrong with this? We, we want to ensure these companies pay their fair share. They can't take advantage of um, low taxes. They should, they should pay taxes. Um, where it's due in uh, the EU or the UK or the US or Australia or uh, wherever else, um, rather than paying it in Ireland or uh, uh, the Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. Well, first, not by and large, they weren't re- managing to reduce all their profits. The, you know, co- these companies were paying taxes. And to the extent that a lot of the low tax was on income that was being reinvested back into growing the business. So by and large, when you take the profits out of the company, that gets taxed somewhere. Um, so a lot of this was you know, the research and development money being put in, the, you know, the new investment into new, mm. new plants and machinery and so on. So a lot of it was feeding back into the high-tax com- countries because that's where that physical investment was. So that capital was... Yeah, perhaps going around in a circle, but flowing back into these things. And at the end of the day, corporate taxes are not, in most countries, a huge part of the government revenues. What's far more important is the employment taxes. So what's more important is the employment that these companies are generating, the jobs that they're creating, and that you know, getting people into work, providing better well-paid jobs for people and the employment taxes that these that governments were getting off the back of that. Um, and I suppose it kind of then feeds into the, this, this broader sense about tax competition, which is, mm. y- you made that point earlier on, that 
it wasn't actually a bad thing. In fact, it was a good thing that globally the rates of corporate income tax that used to be at you know, 40 50% have now gone down. I think the, the global average is somewhere closer to 25% across the OECD these days. Um, what, what has that delivered? Why is that important? And, and why, I suppose, global minimum tax is only 15%, so it, it is above a lot of what that is. But, but what kind of impact could the, the minimum tax and the OECD proposals have on the kind of trajectory towards lower income taxes mm. to encourage, uh, lower corporate income taxes to encourage investment? Yeah. Well, one of the things that we do know, we don't know that much in economics, but one of the things that we do know is that higher corporation tax rates the main people who lose out from that are actually the workers. You get fewer jobs, you get lower paid jobs, you get less secure jobs because at the higher tax rates, companies aren't reinvesting as much. Yes, they still do reinvest. Yes, there are still new businesses being created. But at the margins, there will be decisions made that not to do so. And, and so you end up with the sort of economy stalling. And you look at some of the countries with very high tax rates, yeah. um, and particularly the ones with a loss of labour market security. So the people who are in work, the people my age are fine. It's the people leaving school, leaving university, looking for their first jobs. And if you've not got that dynamic economy that's generating jobs, then it's very difficult for them to actually get their foot into that, into the workforce. Um, and you look at some of the frankly, scandalous levels of youth unemployment in mm. places like France, Italy, Spain. Some where, parts of the UK even. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Where you're having, you know, a third of school leavers, university leavers not being able to find work, and even higher in some of them. That's, that's a shocking statistic. And that's a, largely a result of a failed economy. And, you know, that's that isn't doing what it wants for its people. Yeah, and the government creating barriers to that and corporate tax being, being one of them. Yeah, and there's yeah also of course, tax isn't, tax isn't the only yes, thing. Yes, I mean, there's, there's labour labor laws in particular that make it, if you make it impossible to sack someone, for example. It's much yeah, and, it's and things to, like the planning laws and regulations yeah. that make it more difficult yeah, yeah. to set up a new business or expand. But yeah, tax is certainly an important part of that. Yes, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think what kind of strikes in my mind is tax is kind of almost predictable. So if you're a company that's making an investment decision, you don't know with any certainty what the level of interest is going to be from consumers for your product. You don't know about potential uh, risks that could emerge, but you probably do know the tax rate. So therefore that has almost like a disproportional impact on your decision to invest in a jurisdiction. And therefore it, it, it for kind of mobile global capital, the corporate tax rate is going to have a pretty big impact on where you choose to um, place your investments. Yeah, and also it's something that's easy to put into a spreadsheet. Yeah. So it does, you know, we know that tax does actually go into that decision because the companies are, they're looking at their projected profits from it and there's a line that takes off the tax from that and therefore reduces the potential, the projected benefits. And yes, if the projected benefits are less than the initial cost of the investment, you don't do it. So something we haven't quite gone into yet, but I think is worth unpacking with the, the global minimum tax, global minimum tax, it's designed in such a way where it's globally a minimum 15%. And then if in one jurisdiction, uh, a company pays less than that 15%, um, and they're a, a large company, um, they potentially will then be uh, top up tax in another jurisdiction up to that 15%. So it kind of creates a an incentive for every country to put in place that 15% minimum. Yeah. But as part of that, then, they, they also need to design what the tax rules are. Mm. They need to say what counts uh, as uh, something that is 
taxable under corporate taxes? What, what are the rules and tax design? So not only are you saying we're going to have global 15% corporate taxes, but we're also going to say we're going to have a global design for a tax system. So I wonder if we can kind of unpack that and the kind of impact mm-hmm. that has of trying to move what has traditionally been a national responsibility, setting tax rates and setting tax design and taking that global. Yeah. Yes, because what it's doing is effectively superimposing a new tax system on top of the existing ones. So we're going to have parallel tax systems working together. Companies are going to, the large ones anyway, are going to have to do two completely separate tax calculations under their national tax system and then under the OECD system as well. And yes, as you say, if if the OECD one comes out at less than 15%, then there's going to be a top-up tax either in the parent company's uh, country or in any, eventually, once the system's in place fully, any country where that group operates will be able to charge that top-up tax. And yes, it's, it's causing a huge administrative headache for companies at the moment. This is coming in from, by and large, from next year. And they're starting to look at this and trying to work out whether they're going to be caught by it. They're having to make disclosures in their accounts as to what the effect of it's going to be. So it's having an impact already. Um, and yes, there's an administrative cost to doing that and doing a separate second set of tax calculations. Whenever, you do, whenever you're looking at an investment, you're going to have to look not just at the impact on your national tax system, but also on whether it's going to put you into the top-up tax zone. Um, but also... It's reducing, in, it's reducing the scope for innovation because if countries try and change their tax system to deal with a new, you know, with a new business sector or a new way of doing business, is that then going to conflict with the OECD system? Mm. And is that going to bring you, your companies in? You know, is that going to mean that your national companies will just end up facing a top-up tax elsewhere? Else, yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't, I think that's a pretty big question for the UK because we recently had the autumn statement where the Chancellor announced uh, full expensing for most um, capital investment. He also announced the extension of free ports. A lot of UK government policies are effectively tax breaks on corporate tax that say we think the, the UK, tax corporate, UK corporate tax system should be designed in this way. I'm wondering how that interacts, though, with the kind of international OECD approach to these kind of things. Yeah, this is, this is where you get big problems because, on the one hand, the Chancellor is trying to do these things to encourage investment. Yes, the full expensing is one thing because that then, you know, if you make a big capital expense expenditure, you reduce your taxable profits, reduce your tax bill, which is fine. But if you then plug that into the OECD calculation, that doesn't let you reduce your profits in that way. And potentially you end up with an effective tax rate greater than 15%. And then the Chancellor's tax incentive becomes meaningless because the incentive value of it's just being taken away by some other country. Yeah. Um, and the same with, we've had a change again in the autumn statement, they've uh, reformed the research and development allowances, so there's a lot of encouragement for high-tech businesses mm. and for them to really put investment into new products, new services, new ways of doing things, new innovations. And again, if that takes your effective tax rate under the OECD calculation down to less than 15%, the value of that is at least partly taken away because you're being topped back up to 15% elsewhere. This seems to speak to this uh, broader question um, of whether or not it is a good idea to have tax competition. 
Because I think the premise of all this and, and a lot of the, the debate seems to be that world tax competition is bad. We want to discourage countries from trying to um, compete with and push towards lower taxes or tax innovation or have, have different tax systems. And instead, everyone should have equally high taxes. Now, you wrote a, a Hobart paper for the IEA several years ago making the counter case. I'm wondering if you could explain what, what are the potential benefits of having this, this competition between different countries? Mm-hmm. There's two big ones, really. One is this innovation and the fact that if you have a global tax system, it's very difficult for a country to innovate and to try new ways of doing things. So at the, under the old system, we could have countries doing things in different ways and we could see which ones worked and take, you know, use best practice then from this national comparison. Whereas um, once you have a global tax system, it's going to be very difficult to innovate within that. And because it's taken so long to get the agreement for this new system, if we do need to make changes in the future, it's going to take years to actually get them to agree and get um, that broad consensus on that for it to change. So it's going to end up fossilising the tax system in the mm. way that it is now. The other thing is, and here we're coming back to the pure tax competition idea, that um, you know, at the moment, you know, if, if, you have, if you just look at a country's tax system, it's very easy for governments to take the lazy way out. They need some more money, so you just push the business taxes up because you know, it doesn't affect your voters immediately. We know, we talked earlier about the fact that it does affect them indirectly because then there's fewer jobs, fewer growth, fewer opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as a headline rate when you stand up and make the announcement, mm. is, it sounds like you're getting free money by taxing businesses. So there was a easy, a lazy way out for governments of doing that. Whereas once you've got tax competition, if you do that too far, you start losing investment and losing businesses to uh, countries with more dynamic, with better designed tax systems. And so the tax competition really pushes governments to think about what they're doing a bit more and to design, design better tax systems, not necessarily collect less tax, but actually to do it in a more sensible way. I mean, the, the idea there then, I suppose, from those who might oppose this is, doesn't that just lead to less than optimal levels of tax? As in, okay, so tax competition ensures tax doesn't go too high. But is there a risk in some jurisdictions tax has perhaps gone too low um, and that they're not raising enough revenue because of the competitive pressures? Yeah, you've got to balance one against the other and uh, you might end up with low, too low in some jurisdictions. But also, if you don't have the tax competition, you'll end up with... <clears throat> tax rates too high in other jurisdictions, and that's certainly more damaging once you start losing the innovation and growth there and investment. Um, but really, this was the race to the bottom argument that everyone would yes. end up with zero corporate tax rates. It didn't happen. We've had decades of tax competition, and you know some of the zero corporate tax jurisdictions have been zero since the 1950s. Mm. And we didn't see that feeding through into zero corporate taxes in the developed countries. You know, about the lowest you got was Ireland's 12.5%. So it didn't really get much lower than that. So we didn't see that race to the bottom. We didn't see that those zeros coming through or, you know, even sub 10% rates coming through in any significant developed countries. So, yet it was a theoretical possibility, but actually... The advan- there were pe- plenty of advantages of being in a developed country for businesses and you know, it settled down at a rate that 
businesses thought was worth paying in order for the advantages to have being there. Um, I suppose the other thought I have there as well is in terms of this idea of starving the beast in some respects, saying, well, if you create tax competition, <coughs> you reduce the revenue available to government. Does that ultimately though lead to less spending? Because you seem to this situation in the UK for several years and uh, certainly on that trajectory, um, despite the government's best efforts, where despite the fact that taxes are very high, the real problem is that spending is even higher again. And all we're doing by not putting up taxes is just borrowing more and potentially um, leading to more higher longer term taxes. So we may have you know, reduced taxes here and there a little bit, or, um, but we haven't really meaningfully impacted the longer term tax burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... We certainly didn't see, uh, you, know, you look at the levels of government spending, it's, it's not been slashed by this. We haven't seen uh, serious reductions in government spending and they've stayed at the sort of level that people seem relatively comfortable with. So I don't think that's, it's not been a huge problem in practice. Um, what do you take as the, I suppose, when you, and you indeed you have been advising uh, other governments and you've been involved in UK policy for, for many years, what, w- what would you say in terms of how you, a country can best harness tax competition? What, what, are the, what would you focus on first and foremost in terms of your tax design? Um, if you know, the, the government uh, knocked on your door today and said we're thinking of being radical and reforming and we want to take advantage as much as possible of our tax freedoms, at least the freedoms that we haven't signed away to the OECD? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what we did over the previous decades, tax policy was actually moving in the right direction. We'd gone from the old system of very high rates, but with lots of incentives to try and get businesses to invest in particular things. That never really worked because you either ended up with the wrong incentives or you know, once you, do, once you put a rule in, once you put a tax incentive in, people then try to get, in, get within that and benefit from it. And you ended up with the, if really the money going to the wrong places and not, not what it was meant to be. So we'd moved from that over decades to a broadening the base, taxing everything, not having all these complications within the system. You know, a simpler system, more in tune with just taxing the profits that business make at a sensible rate. I'd, and that worked very effectively for a number of decades. And it's a, you know, if, if that's now being reversed, if we're going back to the old problems of governments trying to bring in incentives, then we're going to go back to those problems that we've had before of the, you know, the incentives being wrong, the incentives staying too long and being out of date, and people reacting in the wrong way to these incentives. So, yeah, go, go back to what we were doing before. Let's. It, it worked. We, had, we were getting improved business tax systems over decades. Well, on that slightly gloomy, although I suppose uh, uh, definitive note, thank you so much, Richard Tether, for, for joining the IA podcast. Uh, Richard, of course, um, leading British tax academic and consultant, as well as the author of the IA book, The Benefits of Tax Competition. If you are enjoying the IA podcast, please do subscribe in your chosen podcast provider. And if you'd like to learn more about the IEA and read our publications, just visit iea.org.uk.